Julie Baishu has a PhD in pharmacology and toxicology, with a minor in microbiology and immunology. She uses this interdisciplinary training to apply the scientific method to controversial topics. Julie's the co-founder and director of research at the Winbridge Research Center, a public charity dedicated to easing suffering around death, dying, and what comes next by performing rigorous scientific research. Amongst other things, Julie has studied mediums and mediumship in depth and is the author of numerous books, including Love and the Afterlife, How to Stay Connected to Your Human and Animal Loved Ones. Please see the description for relevant links, recommended books, and timestamps. So Julie, to start us off, can you please tell me a little bit about your background and about how you ended up uh, founding the Winbridge Institute? Okay. Uh, so my PhD is in pharmacology and toxicology with a minor in microbiology and immunology. And so wow. I'm trained in a lot of ologies and it's medical sciences. And yeah. um, I got to the end um, of my bachelor's degree in environmental sciences. And I was like, and I had to take medical microbiology. And then I was like, diseases are more interesting than rocks and water. So then I went to grad school and studied the body. And then I got mm -hmm. to the end of grad school and I was like, consciousness is way more interesting than the body. So then I did a postdoctoral fellowship in uh, mediumship and survival. And wow. what happens to consciousness when the physical body dies? And mm -hmm. so um, and then I did that postdoctoral fellowship for four and a half years and then a nice gentleman funded it the whole time and he was like i'm out of money for this and so yeah. my husband mark bakutzi and i were like this is important work we need to keep doing it and so and we it was like the universe closes a window but or closes a door but opens a window like there was yeah. a lot of like oh the university was really supportive and they were like but you have to come with your own funding and it was just mm -hmm. all these things that became very clear, we have to go out on our own. And so Mark and I started the Winbridge Institute and um, it, it was very clear that that was the right thing to do. Like all these people came out of the woodwork, really renowned researchers in this field. I'm like, I'll be on your scientific advisory board. We think what you're doing is great. And yeah. so all this it was the right thing to do it was very clear it was the right thing to do and then we did that so that was in 2008 and then in like 2016 or 17 someone contacted us we were just doing at the institute we just studied everything we could think of anything that was interesting we wanted yeah. to study it anything that has to do with consciousness so and then in 2017 someone contacted us and they said i'll help you start a nonprofit." if you take the survival and put it in the nonprofit. So the Institute is a for-profit company. And then we started the Winbridge Research Center, the research Center. Yeah. which is a nonprofit in the US. Um, it's a okay. charity. And mm -hmm. um, that's where we moved all the survival and mediumship to the Winbridge Research Center. And very cavalierly, I say, the way you can remember it is Institute is for intuition and intention. I is for institute and intention. C is for center and corpse. So anything that has to do with death, that's yeah. at the center. And okay. anything that all the other things about consciousness yeah. are at like the... anomalous cognition and psi yeah. phenomena, that kind of stuff. That's all exactly. in the institute. Yeah. And everything yeah. survival related, mediumship, the works is the research center. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I was a bit confused about the exact, like which one was, you know, what the exact differences were. But thank yeah. you for, for clarifying that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and and yeah, you set it up with with your husband Mark, who is like really in these areas as well, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. He does. Uh, he does so many cool. Like he has so many cool ideas. He he's a morning person and I'm a night person, so I get up right. and he's like, "This is what I thought of," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" He comes <laughs> up with all these crazy ideas and all, for all these studies and like he he's also so his training is he's a computer software engineer so mm -hmm. he's like you know i go to conferences and come back and he's like i made this using computer <laughs> software and all these art projects and so yeah it's just really yeah. incredible and we love working together and the stuff that we create together is far better than anything either of us could make on our yeah. own yeah so. no that's that's awesome um I was. I just wanted to 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 get a little bit more information about what you do now. Uh, not you specifically, but the the institute and the research center. So, in terms of the institute, can you tell me a little bit about some of the studies maybe you've done in the last couple of years in terms of yeah, psych, psych, psychic phenomena? Um, yeah. Um, well, we've been um, focused on the center. Um, okay. Yeah. And so the the institute is the publishing house. So. Yeah recently that's we um like i published a book called love and the afterlife and mm -hmm. so that goes through the institute and then mark published a, a book about um the ethics of psychic and parapsychological phenomena okay. um so we were focusing on those that takes a lot of time writing books takes a lot of time yeah. so we yeah. were focusing on those things but we have some ideas for studies um at the institute uh about intention and intuition and you know phenomenon like books people's mm -hmm. psychic interactions with books like okay. literally books falling off shelves and book, book encounters i've heard yeah somebody yeah, mentioned book, book encounters encounter. yeah so we're interested in in exploring that um mm -hmm. yeah but unfortunately it's uh with my health issues and um trying to get those books out so we can buy bananas um yeah that's my go-to for that's what i spend my money on is food yeah <laughs> so cool you can buy a lot of bananas um <laughs> with a dollar so we've been we've been focused on publishing right now but yeah. we're 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 on the way to switching back so today you and i can talk about all the stuff i've done in the past and then in the future we can talk about what i'm doing now in the future yeah 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 cool so uh, yeah i was going to ask you a bit about like future plans but i guess yeah we can we can come back to that yeah. um because it seems like yeah there's probably loads of ideas like an absolute plethora of various directions that you want to go in and i guess it's kind of yeah trying to decide uh, <laughs> which ones to do because uh yeah i can't imagine how many ideas for experiments and studies you and mark and everybody can come up with combined because like this is just such a fascinating and such an untapped area in terms of the science behind it yeah um, when i talk to people like friends of mine they're like now i'm sure someone studied this but and i go <laughs> i bet you they haven't because there's yeah. no money in this and there's yeah. very people that like me are willing to commit career suicide to look at these kind of things so yeah. i bet you it hasn't tell me your idea yeah. i'll put it on the list <laughs> yeah and, and the same yeah. thing that when people say there's no scientific evidence for blank it doesn't mm. mean it was studied and it was shown that there's no evidence it means mm. there isn't money to study it is that yeah. usually what that means 
Yeah, 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 a lack of evidence rather than yeah evidence that, that lack. lacks the yeah. yeah yeah. I don't. I'd got my words all muddled, but yeah, mm. I think you know what I mean. And hopefully, yeah, yeah. people listening know what I mean. Um, let's get on to talking then about the mediumship studies that okay. you. Uh, I, I think you did with Mark. You basically pioneered. I, I do think of these as like pioneering, game changing studies. Like these, they're very well known now. I think, or at least you know, in our circles, in in circles of these areas, like parapsychology and people that are interested in survival and everything like that obviously in terms of the masses they're wildly unknown shockingly unknown uh, in crimin- criminally unknown it's kind of insane when you think about it because it's just such fascinating research um so yeah please talk about these studies in in as much detail as you can really start from wherever you think is kind of you know give people maybe a bit of background some people might not be that familiar with them i know a number of people watching and listening will be very familiar with them um but some, yeah, probably just heard it, you know, mentioned, probably heard me mention it on a few episodes of oh, the Winbridge mediumship studies and things like that. So, yeah, if you could kind of give, yeah, a big, in, a, a nice, uh, yeah, lay it all out. Okay. <laughs> Please, Julie. Thank you. Um, so the question of what happens when we die, there's no question that affects more people. We're mm-hmm. all going to die. And yeah. so what happens to consciousness? And so when I use the word consciousness, I just mean if you like removed all the parts of your body, what would be left is you, that's consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, you aren't in your body anywhere. You are separate and you are an independent volitional being. Um, mm-hmm. And so one way to study, there's many ways to study what's called survival of consciousness or just survival is with mediumship. And so for eons, um, since the beginning of time, people have been communicating with the departed and sometimes it was specific people who served that purpose in a community like shamans um Mm -hmm. and in modern times it's people called mediums and so what we define a medium as an individual who experiences communication with the departed regularly reliably and on demand and then gives the resulting messages to the departed loved ones living loved ones and uh so mediumship is easy to bring into the lab like it's hard to study you can't study near-death experiences as they happen because no Mm. it's no one knows when they're coming and so that's it's difficult to study but we can bring mediums into the lab and study them over and over and put them through the testing over and over and over so that's what we do and so we have three sort of aspects of mediumship that we look at and we those um uh research programs are called information operation application so the information is is what they're saying right words are coming out of their mouth mediums are providing readings for people all over the place they're saying things are those things correct So Mm -hmm. that's what we look for in the information. And then operation, we're like, who are these people? So we look at their uh, physiology, psychology, what's called phenomenology, which is just how they experience what they experience. And then Mm -hmm. application is what can society do with this? So mediumship readings I've published have uh, potential effects on grief. And -hmm. there's not really good treatments for grief. So that's interesting to study. And so um, those are the general three things that we study at the Winbridge Research Center. Um, And we work primarily, no, uh, not primarily, we work extensively or exclusively with American 
um, American mediums and okay. American mental mediums. So there's mental mediumship where they receive information mentally and report it. And then there's physical mediumship. And we don't really study that um, at the center because it doesn't mm -hmm. it's not directly um, it doesn't directly speak to survival because there are alternative explanations. It could mm. be living people's effects. So yeah, hard to pin at, down as well. Yeah, yeah. At the center, our mission is to um, alleviate suffering around dying death and what comes next using rigorous scientific research, and then mm -hmm. taking the results of that research and transforming them into free educational materials. So that's that's always our goal and always our purpose so um for example we have a protocol uh our protocol that we use to test mediums we can this is very complex and we could talk about this for three days but it's what we call quintuple blind there's five yeah. levels of blinding and so if people are interested in looking at that there's a um a published peer-reviewed research journal article um but it's behind a, the journal's paywall. So we created a fact sheet. And then so okay. that's for free on the Winbridge Research Center page yeah. at winbridge.org on the education tab. There's a bunch of fact sheets. I'll make um, sure I put that in the description as well below. Okay. Because that's useful. I've looked at that before. That's really interesting. Yeah. So the basically we, our protocol is um, readings take place over the phone and it's just mm -hmm. me and a medium on the phone and we don't have any information about the departed or the their living loved one who wants to hear from them who we call the sitter um we don't have any information beyond the departed's first name that's all we have mm -hmm. so just to clarify i'm just mm -hmm. sorry i just want to break so, yeah. so you're no, you're on the complex. phone <laughs> yeah you're on the phone to a medium right you mm -hmm. and you're in a separate location everything like that and neither of you have the information about the sitter um you just Correct. given what i guess like a first name or something yeah. like that and yeah. yeah some very basic stuff and no just and the first name not just the first name stuff just the first name well the basic stuff they're just the letters of the first name okay <laughs> the, right, the, right. the first the name spelling, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I guess, yeah <laughs> the spelling yeah um okay so then so you got you on the phone to a medium and then yeah kind of carry on i just okay. wanted to make sure yeah so the and to be clear the gender is if it's not clear from the name, then I make it clear. Okay. Um, so they do know the gender based on the mm -hmm. name, but that's okay. all they have. And then I ask specific questions at a scheduled time. I get the medium on the phone and I ask specific questions about that named person. And they, they're only given the name right then when the reading starts. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes uh, when the, sorry, sometimes when the reading starts, I'll say, no, usually when the reading starts, I'll say, have you received anything yet do you, that you mm -hmm. want to read into the record? And sometimes the departed shows up before the reading is scheduled and there's information. And so they read that into the record. And yeah. then um, I say, okay, well, this reading is for this person's name. Um, and do you want to provide, can you provide just general information there? Depending on the study, it's, we do it in different orders, but at some point, I asked four specific questions about mm -hmm. the departed during their life. What did they look like? Describe their personality. What were their hobbies or activities? And how did they die? 
And then I say, do they have any specific messages for the absent sitter? Um, and then just, you know, do, is there anything else? Can Is there anything else you can tell me? And so I record that and then I format it into a numbered itemized list of things. And then uh, I do that a second time at another time, at another date uh, with that same medium, with a different name, same questions. And then I have another itemized list. Um, and then the two absent sitters receive the two lists, but mm -hmm. they each they each receive both. So they yeah. each serve as the control for the mm -hmm. other. Yeah. Um, and then we do statistics and then we have demonstrated that in 86 readings um, by 20 mediums, it was statistically significant. Uh, the accuracy for the target readings intended for the people versus the decoy readings intended for the other sitter uh, was statistically significant, Sig significantly higher for mm -hmm. people score their own readings higher than they score something that belongs to someone else, basically. Though yeah. about 30% of any reading is going to apply to you. Like they can't, yeah. they're only people, you know, yeah. the, the deceased people are people. They still have hair and eyes and hobbies and jobs and favorites. Yeah. Which is, of course, why it's so easy for for like skeptics to kind of you know try and pick this apart. They say, "Oh, mediums, they just you know they give generic information. It applies to all of us." And of course, that's what I thought most of my life until kind of finding Leslie Kane's book and your studies and everything like that. But yeah, so there's always going to be some generic, but it's obviously you're looking for the yeah the stuff that really sets it apart. Yeah, and how you know does the does the other sitter score it as correct? Mm -hmm. yeah like, yeah there are things that we're all people there we're going to have stuff in common but overall in the hundred items is there more in your reading that you scored as accurate than than you scored it's going to be about you're going to score the other person's reading about 30 percent because we all have mm -hmm. common factors but yeah it's the difference it's it's usually statistically higher what you score your own reading and it's not a hundred percent it under these quintuple blind conditions um it's not perfect so there they there are mistakes they, they say things that the sitter doesn't make any sense and the mediums will say i just say what i'm getting you know they're like yeah. a translator they can't yeah. control what comes through or who comes through they just say mm -hmm. what they're getting what they're experiencing yeah. and they experience all uh all the senses we call it a multimodal experience all the modes so they yeah. hear things and they see things and they smell things and they taste things and they feel things in their body and so then in the itemized list i sort of translate those things so they're like i'm getting a pain in my chest i write pain in the chest right mm -hmm. so that's what the person is scoring um is is the me sort of translating the medium speak and how they experience it into a scorable item it yeah, does pain yeah. in the chase the chest make sense to you yeah when it comes through like that that's so fascinating i will circle back to that kind of like how it works for different mediums um but before we do so can you talk a little bit more about yeah how you ensured that it was going to be you know strict controls how you were ensuring it was going to be held to, to kind of you know r rigorous scientific standards and everything like that um and and yeah just how how watertight was it obviously i'm not asking necessarily for me i i've done the research into it and i, I believe it's very watertight but i just want to give you a chance to kind of tell people that are maybe a little bit unsure 
Yeah. Uh, so we looked at all the things that people say, oh, well, they're just doing this, right? Mm -hmm. So they're just providing information so general it could apply to anyone. Okay, let's ask yeah. specific questions. Um, and the, you know, the, the, some skeptics will say, oh, well, based on the first name, they can look up the actuarial tables and they can figure out how old that person probably was, how they died, what their hobbies were. Okay. You can say that's a, that's possible, but prove it. Like mm -hmm. there's no evidence. Like you can say anything can sound right. Anything can sound real, but prove it and you have to show your work if if mm -hmm. i because everybody's a little bit mediumistic so i could give you a first name right now and ask you those four questions and you could probably get some of them right because you know if the if that departed loved one knows that their sitter is going to hear your answers yeah they're going to try and come through that's the thing it's kind of out of the hands of the medium in a way yeah. right like if they're a genuine medium it's like we don't know how the the explanatory framework in terms of how the discarnate is able to know every you know know that this is going on and know that they you know because this medium is just looking for just a first name and and has and you say a first name and a, and and their their gender whatever their sex um and yeah that's, yeah, there's and then a lot of the, people the, with the same the name. Departed loved one comes in before the reading even starts. Mm. Oh my mm. gosh, you'll love this. So one time, right, doing lots of readings, big study, doing lots of readings, and there were two departed loved ones that had the same first name, and they got scheduled. It's all randomized, so that's a way you control for things in science. Yeah. you randomize the order of things. So it's randomized. It happened to be the same day, same name. Two deceased people, same first name, same wow. day. I have my planner. I'm old school. I keep a planner in pencil. Yeah. Um, and I literally opened the book up and like showed it to the universe, and went, okay, I guess you guys decide. And then <laughs> what happened was the one medium canceled because she's like, Oh, I really don't feel well today. I need to cancel. We need to reschedule. So they figured, I'm like, I hope we don't need to think of it like they struck her down with illness, but they uh <laughs> They made it happen that they weren't on the same day. Not that it mattered. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody. I just didn't want them to get confused. Um, yeah. But it worked. It all worked out. And that's what I have found over the many, many years. Again, I've been, I started my postdoctoral fellowship in 2003. So I've been doing this for more than 20 years. And that's what is clear is like none of us here on earth are in control of any of this. They are running the show. Um, and so... Uh, I just, I'm just trying to design my experiments to maximum, we want maximum controls, and then we want to make the experimental pro, uh, environment ideal. So mm -hmm. we, we can't be like, go underwater and tell us things about a dead person. Like, no, they can't do that. Take all your clothes off to prove you're not wearing a wire or something. Exactly. <laughs> so the, with the phone readings, they're in a comfortable place. They're comfortable with me. They trust me. They know I'm not trying to scam them or prove yeah. anything. And they know I have vetted the sitters. So we ask the sitter, you know, do you want to hear from your person? Are you confident they would want to come and talk to you? They know the time. Um, I think they know the day. See, I, I'm blinded to the, there's five levels of blinding. Yeah. All I have is the first name. So yeah. like uh, experimenter one, who is Mark, he consents the sitters so and he uh -huh. gets the first name from them and so 
he's he's the one asking them the questions and making sure they're up for all this and they understand you're not going to get on the phone with the medium you're not going to hear any readings um and then i'm experimenter two and i'm blind and then there's experimenter three and he's blind to which mediums did which readings which mark is also blind to he just emails me the names and then the person experimenter three who sends the itemized lists out for scoring is blinded to who did which readings which were and for which people and so that we control for all sensory mm-hmm. like so i can, i don't have any information about the departed so the medium can't go oh i'm getting i'm feeling pain in the chest and i can't go oh you mean brain aneurysm that's correct yeah. Like yeah. I can't say that I can't. Or even it. without you saying it, she can't even cite like telepathically or whatever, access right. any information from you at all. Right. Because you right. just don't know the information. Right. Right. She can't yeah. read me. And then we don't give them any feedback. So she yeah. can't read the future when mm-hmm. we give her, oh, this is how you did in your because we never tell them. So yeah. we control for that. Yeah, we control for all anything, all the normal things and then all the parapsychological things um and then so we ask questions so that prevents um generality or cold reading because they don't have any access to the sitter it's just me and the medium Mm -hmm. on the phone and then or hot reading because how are they going to look up anything um yeah and there's no feedback at all they get no feedback they say a thing and i say okay i wrote it down i'm recording check next question um, and then because each sitter gets two readings and they don't know which is theirs, that controls for what's called a rater bias. So some mm-hmm. people, um, just from their personality, uh, would be more apt to score more things as correct. Like if it's a, like, uh, I don't know. Yes. Right. And then more so generous. You, what's that? <laughs> yeah. They'll be more generous, more easy to get. Yeah, that's close enough. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Like, and yeah. then or they'll kind of maybe would... make it in their head. Like maybe somebody yeah. could even convince themselves like, oh, that that actually, you know, like finding stuff that maybe isn't really there. And yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. carry on. Um, and then some people, opposite, it's like, eh, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to they're gonna score. So by giving, by comparing the two, like this generous person scored these two. And this skeptical person scored these two. We look at the difference. We don't look at the like total scores. So always looking mm-hmm. at the difference. So that controls for that rate or bias. It at least equalizes it mm-hmm. um, yeah. across the study. Um, I'm trying to think of their. Tell me another skeptical thing that people say about, oh, a medium is just doing this. And I'll tell you how we control for it. <laughs> okay. Let me think. Okay. So what we've got, you said cold reading, hot reading. Um so that covers basically trying to make up things that are just going to hit everybody, right? That's that one of those. T- is that cold reading when you just say something like, oh, they, they enjoyed, you know, walking in the, the summer air? It can air be. And- Information so general it could apply to anyone is a form mm-hmm. of cold reading. But okay. it also is using the cues, like just starting like it's a K or an M or an mm-hmm. L name and then watching your pupils and wishing you respond. And then, yeah, it's M. It's definitely M. Um, so that's cold reading is, is reading the cues of the sitter, um, Mm -hmm. to, to like steer what seems like an accurate reading. Um, so we control for that because we, so we control for generality with, by asking specific questions and we control for cold reading because the medium has no access to the sitter and I don't know Mm -hmm. anything. I'm, I serve as what's called the proxy sitter and I don't Mm -hmm. have any information. No. 
All right, bring no, it honestly, on. What from, else you got? <laughs> I got enough of Julie. You got, you got me. No, honestly, from like reading all this stuff, like maybe if I'd spoken to you like two and a half years ago, I would have, that would have been really interesting because I was totally closed to all of this stuff and totally like, you know, totally mediumship. I would have been like, nah, come on. You talk about mediumship. That's nonsense. That's just like they're just gonna, yeah, do cold reading, this, that, and the other. You're gonna make stuff up, and and come on, they're just like you know, fooling people that are struggling with their grief and what have you, and taking advantage and getting paid, and and obviously, yeah, things happen. And I I went down the road and yeah, read Leslie's book, which included your chapter about the the studies there, and and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is wild. And I think the one the the, the one medium that kind of like really made me like look at this seriously was was Laurelyn Jackson like some of the stuff with her um I guess that leads me to ask you about kind of how accurate was were the results um and I guess there was a big range between some of the mediums I think Laurelyn was maybe the most accurate one we that you've had or one of the most accurate who, we never yeah. report individual mediums scores we always okay. report as a collection because in science yeah. it's all about the statistics it doesn't matter yeah what in your bell curve like who's on mm -hmm. this end and who's on this end it's and that's a bad example mathematically, but we're, it's about the average um, yeah. and comparing the averages. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Like we have um, at the height of it, I had 20 um, Winbridge certified research mediums on the team mm -hmm. and a several have retired. Um, again, yeah. I've been doing this for 20 years um, and they're like, they're all in their fifties when they started. So um, it's, it makes sense. Um, yeah. but we never report the individual scores on anything. All we can say is all 20 of those mediums passed my test on yeah. that day with that sitter and that deceased person. We can't yeah. say like they, I can't say they're going to be good for you. I can't say no, no. they could do it again. All I can say is they passed that test on that day. And then the certified mediums are who participates in all the studies that I do. And to yeah. be clear, like we've done survey studies where we just asked hundreds of people, hey, do you identify as a medium? Fill out our survey. Um, okay. So we have data um, from the, like survey data from those people who aren't necessarily certified, but identify mm -hmm. as mediums. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like all media, like that fraud isn't real in this field. Of course, it's real. Um, mm. it's easy to take advantage of people who are grieving. They really need, they really want to hear from people. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of mediums. We did a, um, there's a, on the Winbridge Research Center page at winbridge.org, there's all a list of our peer reviewed, um, published journal articles. And we, one of the most recent one we did was about the business practices of mediums and, where we asked that general population and a, a large percent of the people didn't even charge for readings. Yeah. So you can't say yeah. like, oh, you're saying you have these experiences, so people pay you. No, a large <laughs> percentage doesn't even get paid. So yeah. 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 And and in those ones, yeah, they're not getting paid. Plus you can kind of show that they're helping the grieving, you know, the the the, the person that's grieving. So in that sense, even if you didn't want to believe any of this, even if you wanted to dismiss all of the evidence and, and ignore it it would still be a valuable service there they're offering to somebody right yeah. in that kind of hypothetical scenario do you have like off the top of your head any of the numbers like um in terms of like how accurate you know the the average was and the only reason i was asking uh, about names by the way i'm just thinking like if there was you know medium one or medium nine got like kept scoring like crazy high like, i'm just trying to think that i i expect that's how it would work in real life in, in the sense that some people just have different 
levels of again i hate the words around this whole thing are hard to use like ability different levels of ability or different you know different levels of mediumistic ability i don't really know how to word it but i'm assuming some people are way more in touch with this than others and as you said everybody maybe has some level of it so you have maybe somebody like me that has never had a moment where i've kind of experienced anything like that and it doesn't mean i haven't got some kind of latent ability in me but it, it but then you have some other people like that's why I use Laura Lynn Jackson for the example, just because she seems so in touch with the other side, as she calls it. Yeah, the um, like any human endeavor, right? Some people are going to be better at it than yeah. others. And yeah, um, and I think. Um, sorry, before we got on the call, you and I were talking about Chinese medicine and it's very individualized mm -hmm. and it, it's about the relationship with the practitioner. So I don't think it matters like what a medium even if i could publish those numbers this medium did this well in our test it doesn't mean they're going to do well for you no like no, you have to figure out um in my book love in the afterlife i try to train people on how to be a good sitter because that's mm -hmm. what i've learned over these years you know we tongue-in-cheek say you want a good mediumship reading be a good sitter like so mm -hmm. much is broken when people have the wrong assumptions. They didn't do the the prep that they needed to do. And so I try to yeah. train people in the book on how to um, prepare for experience and reflect on a mediumship reading. And mm -hmm. um, it's really about the, so in picking a medium, what you want to do is ask your departed loved one. I think I'm going to go to a mediumship. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to go shopping today and get a mediumship reading. Like it's like going to therapy. It's a, it's you are taking new meds. Like you want to decide very specifically, yeah. this is what I'm going to incorporate into my life now. And so you have to, you have to do a lot of work before you even get there. So when you, um, if you decide it's right for you and you want to do it, then I suggest you invite your departed loved one to inspire you. So like we list all the mediums on the Winbridge team on our website. So you can go to there and go through the list and like you can go to all the websites and maybe mm -hmm. somebody's font will speak to you. Maybe someone's color scheme, maybe their face, mm -hmm. you will be drawn to it. And then there, that's your yeah. inspiration for how to pick the medium that you and that your departed loved one wants to talk to because we're all people not all people get along. So you want them to have sort of input into who they're going to be working with. Um, yeah. And that's an easy way to do it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of randomization. And so um, you can roll a die and see, you know, see which medium start there. You know, let your departed loved one have input on how you pick the person um, yeah. and then don't it don't try and test the medium like uh, unless you're doing five levels of blinding that that requires seven sitters to find a good pair um you need three experimenters you're not going to get it you're not going to and and if you go oh i'm gonna do a code and then if they say the code well you know the code so that just means they're reading your mind like that doesn't prove anything so don't try and prove anything in a mediumship reading like you want to do you miss your person do you want to spend some time with your person then have a mediumship reading and just spend time with your person it's not going to be perfect they're not going to say exactly what you want to hear 
but maybe you got to spend the afternoon with your person that you miss. Like that's all mm. you can hope for. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's but awesome. if you really want to talk about the numbers, we can just, yeah, just briefly. If you, if you haven't the hand, like, uh, yeah. Um, so, okay. So the, the people score two readings and we say, so, so some studies, they scored each individual item some studies mm -hmm. they just gave the overall reading a score but in okay. every study we said pick which one is yours it's a binary choice those are easy statistics binomial probability so in yeah. the 58 readings that we have scored 60 cent 66 percent of the people chose the target reading mm -hmm. um and then yeah i should make it's about two and three, right? And it should be 50-50. It should be 50-50. So the, yeah. um, for those in the, uh, who know about statistics, that's a P of less than 0.01. So okay. it's it's not just, oh, it just barely 0.05. No, it's 0.01. And that's yeah. 58 yeah. readings. And then yeah. um, this, uh, I think this is the coolest because statistics is an art. And it changes. Mm -hmm. And so I published this research in 2015. Um, so I published a study that I did at the university with eight mediums. And I published that in 2007. And then in 2015, we did a replication with this 58 additional readings. And then mm -hmm. a group in Italy has replicated this. So it has been replicated by an independent. That's going to be one of my next questions. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's a meta-analysis of like all the mm -hmm. mediumship studies. It's like there's, um, we like to report about like, you know, is aspirin, should you take aspirin if you have high risk of heart attack? People will go, yeah. yeah, of course. No, the evidence for psi phenomenon is stronger than for aspirin preventing heart attacks. Like the evidence for mediumship is really strong. Um, mm. and I think that, so statistics comes and goes, but I think my, again, this is in the, I'm looking at my cheat sheet here. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, no, no. In the, <laughs> um, this is the fact sheet from that's on the center website, um, about cool. the accuracy testing. And one of the, yeah. um, tests, the, one of the graphs I have is a conservative two by two chi square test. And so I, I put all the, it's over a thousand, no, over 2,000, 2,474 items that in this research that we, that have been scored. And then um, our scoring system, when we do item by item scoring, there's, it's, it's, there's a, there's many levels. So it can be like five is definite hit. Four is like probably mm -hmm. three, not so much two something for somebody else. One definite miss zero. I don't know. So I, for the conservative chi-square test, I took only fives and ones. I didn't okay. care because usually we subtract the zeros out. We're like, well, if you didn't know, we can't hold the medium accountable for that if you didn't know. So we usually subtract yeah. those out. So the chi-square was like only hits and only misses, only things that the mm -hmm. sitter was sure about. And so I put over 2,000 items into the wow. thing. And then it does its math. The statistical program does its math. And it goes, okay, well, what we would expect is this, these kind of relationships between the hits and the misses. And what mm -hmm. it showed was a statistically significant uh, number of um, more items in the target readings were scored as hits and less 
as misses than would be expected and the opposite when people scored somebody else's reading they they it was more things they were like no that's wrong were yeah. over misses and less things were over hits than would be expected mm -hmm. so that yeah. demonstrates that what the mediums are reporting is accurate and specific because the mm -hmm. decoy sitter the sitter scoring a reading that wasn't intended for them they didn't get those kind of numbers so yeah, that's yeah. like you can like yeah t t tests like yeah there's some things you can argue but this chi square test with we only looked at hits we only looked at misses over 2000 mm. items like no that's pretty strong that's pretty yeah obvious I that, like that something's going on here yeah yeah, yeah that's cool take out the gray area yeah. absolutely like take out the bit where it's like ah oh, maybe you know because that that only tells us so much but yeah you're right when you focus on i'm sure of this that's that's accurate i'm sure that's not accurate yeah then that feels way yeah that's really cool yeah i like that <laughs> Nice. Um, so you were just saying it's been repeated by in Italy. Yeah. You said there's been meta analysis as well. Is the meta analysis is that available online? Do you know? Is that is there anywhere that um, people can see that? In this fact sheet, we cite it. That's so okay. okay. You can cool. the citation is there, so you could go and find it. I'm not sure exactly. Um, no, no worries. I'll, if it's if it's there, if you cite it there, then yeah, that gives us. At sorry, least I'm just to... looking to see um, a meta analysis. Uh, Oh, it might be because it's in the Journal of Scientific Exploration. So they publish all cool. their stuff. If it's in yeah. Explore, then it's not because they don't. So I think it mm. is. Yeah. So the citation is in that fact sheet. And so you can you can look up that citation awesome. and Google will find it for you. Yeah, well, I'll have a look. I know it hasn't been, these kind of things haven't been replicated, they haven't been repeated enough as much as we'd like to see. Yeah. Do you, do you, are you aware of like how many times it has been repeated in kind of that's, a similarly scientific so setting? I did that study. No one was doing this. Like Mark and I met yeah. at the summer study program in parapsychology in 2005. And we were the only two people there really interested in survival. And all the like mm -hmm. established parapsychologists telling us there's no future in survival. You guys should really learn to do something else. There really? was so little mediumship research being done. I taught the mediumship section of that summer study <laughs> program because there wasn't anyone else to do it. So yeah. I was there like, you know, a little bit. Why don't you do it? I, it was like just I was still in my postdoc, I think. Um, and so there's very little has been done with this. So there have been like some um some studies in europe and brazil and uh mm -hmm. things but there's very little so i did that study in 2007 at the university of arizona mm -hmm. and then i the one we did at winbridge is a replication in and of itself and then right. this group in italy replicated that again so that it's yeah. already that's independent replication um yeah but who's going to do it like i said it takes three researchers you have to screen at least seven um, sitters to find a, a pair that will work. And then some people just don't ever return their scoring after everybody put in all this work. Like, oh, because they, I don't know, as much as we try and teach them, I think they think like, oh, well, I thought it was going to be like a letter from in my handwriting of my dead person. Um, and mm. it's not. And then they're like, they, so. Yeah, not interested. Yeah. Yeah. So we lose yeah. some data. And so I, I, I am not surprised it doesn't get replicated. It's really hard. 
It's a lot of work. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and a lot of... And it's a huge taboo as well. It's like, yeah. You know, it's like not really taken seriously by, by swath, swaths of the mainstream, like by, yeah. by large numbers of people. It's just dismissed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously another factor that plays against. Do you have any... I know you said we're not going to talk too much about future plans for, for Winbridge right now, but do you have any plans to kind of do any more, like build on top of these mediumship studies, like do a similar, bigger, anything like that? It's kind of our position that We've collected quintuple blind data, 58 yeah. readings. So you're basically saying it's here, prove us wrong. Yeah, Find exactly. A, a like, I'm not going to yeah. beat my head into the wall. I have better things to do. We're interested yeah. in the future in uh, fear of death and what mm -hmm. teaching people about these kind of things, how that can alleviate mm -hmm. um, death anxiety, which is very mm -hmm. debilitating. Um, in our modern yeah. society. So I think if we are going to go, I'm not saying, oh, we're done with mediumship. There's lots of questions to ask, but I'm not going to keep doing accuracy testing. Like, no, it's been demonstrated. Meta-analysis, replication, mm -hmm. independent. Like, no, I'm done with that piece. Um, there, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah, could do this enough. till the end of time and it wouldn't it wouldn't prove anything to anyone that what's already in collected hasn't proven. And it's our yeah. understanding that um, you can... You know, you could have a p-value that was like minuscule and it wouldn't convince people. No matter how many readings I do, it's not going to convince people. It's personal experience. And so Mark mm -hmm. did a study where he asked people, um, oh, that's the other cool thing on the Wimbridge Research Center education page is we a couple years ago, we did a free afterlife symposium. And so mm -hmm. um, I talk about evidence and a bunch of people, a doctor talked about who'd been at the bedside of hundreds of people, had a conversation with me. Mark presented some um, survey research he did where he asked people, what would change your mind if you don't believe? And it basically was, oh, nothing will change my mind. There was that. And yeah. then there was, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, so if we collect, even if we collected more data, it wouldn't be um any it couldn't prove no. it couldn't give people that personal experience that they're looking for um yeah that and and like you say if somebody's not not in not i don't want to say believing i hate using the word believing but if somebody's not able to look at the evidence now and make a make a decision make a judgment call yeah there, there's already an absolute mountain of evidence out there yeah. in, in mediumship in all these various other areas as well that all kind of combines together to create this body of evidence and yeah like most people just not interested in looking at it they 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 they, they just you know maybe it's oh you, you tell somebody about it well yeah you know uh, yeah it's willful don't ignorance. have time the tv doesn't tell me to look at it you know like uh if that was real it'd be everybody would know it like it's not that you know it wouldn't science wouldn't say it. it's very frustrating oh i do gosh. think it's kind of like if you look evolving. if you look around like we are lied to sun up to sundown by every source yeah. that you can think of um like yeah. many many years ago there was a study that um is fat bad for you? Is sugar bad for you? Is meat bad for you? Mm. What kind of things are bad for you? And it came like fat and sugar are bad for you. And the sugar people, the who the corporations who sell sugar were like, squelch that down. And they <laughs> yeah. made they were like, fat is super bad. Fat is really bad. Like the sugar was just as bad. And so in the 80s, it was like fat is really bad. No, your brain is made of fat. And it like we need fats to survive. And so Oh no, in the 80s, we ate a lot of sugar, but
but we cut all the fat out and then, oh, we became an obese generation. So, but you have to like, oh, really? I don't know about mediumship. Yeah, because there's no advertising for it. There's Mm. no, the drug companies don't want you to know about it. They want you to be depressed. And the drug companies yeah. fund the medical schools, so nobody is getting any training. Actually, when they when they train, we wrote I, my colleague Beth Christofferson and I wrote a paper um, where it's training for mental health professionals on how to bring up the afterlife in their sessions because they're nice. trained in the like the World Health Organization recognizes that spirituality is an important part of health. Like they, they're cool mm-hmm. with that, but that's, that's as far cool. as it goes. Nobody wants to talk about the afterlife. So these mental health professionals, they receive no training. And then because of that, often they're hesitant to even bring it up. Um, but if they yeah. had the tools, then they could bring it up and it could make people feel better. If they could tell someone, an educated, sympathetic ear, like I experienced the feeling that my departed loved one was with me. Oh yeah, that's super mm-hmm. common. That's called sense of presence. Yeah. Like, can you imagine yeah. if the if therapists and mental health professionals were trained and they could say that to people and they were like, yeah, that's fine. That's normal. Yeah. yeah. I can't, like, I that's know. our, that's what we're trying to do. It's so, so frustrating. I just had a similar conversation with Marietta Pelivanova, who is kind of doing something similar at the moment. She's at DOPS um, about doctors and medical professionals and their approach to NDEs and basically trying to get that more accepted and teach the doctors like so they have a bit of awareness of this so that when a patient says oh, i had this weird like this this dream experience i don't know what it was i had this thing like that they can actually say oh yeah you're not alone that does happen yeah because uh, can you imagine you, like, it's like this crazy experience unlike anything that you've ever experienced mm. you have no frame of reference it's so out there you come back into consciousness and then you're like what just happened and you have no one yeah. and the doctor doesn't know how to tell you like, oh, yeah, that's totally common. Not very common, but it's normal, at least. Yeah. Um, we could alleviate so much suffering if just people were like, yeah, that's real. That's all yeah, it would take. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think we're on the, the slow road towards that point, but I who hope. knows how slow it's going to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um I was going to say just one last thing on in terms of studies and future studies and just my little kind of an idea that that, that that I think it might have been my partner that mentioned it to me. But either way, I like the idea. It was just a thought that you could maybe, I don't know if you're already doing this, but kind of keep in touch with the mediums that you've done the studies on up to this point. Obviously, you keep in touch with them. But I mean, in a sense of kind of follow up studies with the same mediums um, to see like had to. And then you look at the average and you're like, OK, does is it? Do they kind of lose some ability with time? Does does age play a factor? You could even kind of try and do it with them in maybe different seasons. And I'm just thinking of all the little things that could affect you oh, know yeah. the stuff like is it temperature? Could it be their mood? Obviously, all of it in some sense. You could even go to the extent of like, can we try and like ask them to have a bit less sleep for this week, and then we'll see how much sleep affect. You know, there's so many different things that I want to be like, how does that affect it? What in what way is this correlated with that? And yeah. So those are all interesting questions. We call that so what research. Say we did okay. all of those. <laughs> we got complete answers. Yeah. They need 7.5 hours of sleep to benefit to have yeah. the best medium reading. So what? 
does that yeah. does that make these these are ones that are for us they're people these ones like for people that are just interested i think you know for people that are already aware of the evidence and are already accepting accepted the evidence but are just kind of but like yeah, interested still, in more the intricacies still, so what what does it really teach us it there's lots yeah, of questions I, we can ask but like to <laughs> what end Maybe eventually we'd we'd get one where we're like, oh, that actually does tell us something quite profound about this. Or maybe, you know, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't have the answer for you. But maybe at some point, yeah, maybe when we'd add it together, we'd be like, ah. Yeah. Well, maybe when, uh, maybe one day when, I'd go. When undergrads <laughs> and graduate students get degrees in mediumship, there'll be plenty of people to do that. Right now, yeah. I don't yeah. have the time or the resources to do that. Yeah. So, And I don't know I anybody totally else who's going to do it. So. Um, yeah no no i get it totally <laughs> and i'd rather you did yeah put your energies like in into yeah kind of uh, making more people aware of this and and kind of yeah doubling down um so with laura lynn jackson who i'm assuming you know kind of well you're probably yeah she wrote the friends forward, or like maybe colleagues um, or to love and the afterlife yeah so she I, I think she sees like a screen in her mind right mm -hmm. like uh when she's doing a reading she has like a screen and and how does that work for other mediums is it kind of similar across the board does everybody have very unique like I think ways of doing uh, that it's some things they have in common this multimodal where they it's all the senses um in the mind mm -hmm. uh that's pretty common but then like the symbols that they get are totally unique a pink rose might mean one thing to one medium might mean yeah. something else to yeah. somebody else uh something else yeah um and so that's the study of their experiences is called phenomenology. And so we've published mm -hmm. a number of papers about phenomenology, again, uh, available on the Winbridge Research Center page at www.winbridge.org. Um, and so you can look at that of like what kind of things that we know about the mediumship experience. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, like one thing, I don't know. I think this is on the... I, there's 11 papers on my list that I have to write and publish wow. um, based on cool. the things that we've, the data we've already collected, the survey data. And th it's not accurate. None of it's accuracy testing um, data, but uh, there's a lot of papers that I just need to write. And um, yeah. again, health restraint. But um with the afterlife symposium and the, the um fact sheets it's it's what yeah. we what it has been published what we do know um like uh we found that their the medium's mindfulness scores uh the mediums who were more who scored higher on my on um tests of mindfulness had higher accuracy mm -hmm. so we do know that yeah and i looked at yeah. um uh learning styles my theory was oh if you're like a visual learner then you probably get what did the person look like questions more accurate than mm -hmm. if you're like a tactile learner you feel things i bet you're good at cause of death uh -uh, i was yeah. wrong hypothesis refuted <sighs> um there's no there was no difference between the so those four questions that, yeah um what do they look like personality hobbies and cause of death there was no difference if we looked at um in general there's no difference in the so no kind of information is easier or more difficult to get mm -hmm. or report than any of those other four things 
Uh, yeah. So, so interesting. But, and none of it is related to learning styles or sensory modality preferences. So, um, yeah, we're still looking at things, but none of it's going to be accuracy testing. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no worries. Well, I can't wait to see the papers. Have you ever had a medium that told you, like, I don't know if, you, if this is even a thing. Have they ever said, like, when I'm doing a reading, kind of, I'm in a place where I'm, you know, like, sitting with this person or, you know, in a kind of somewhere with them and actually having a conversation with them rather than, like, the screen or getting the sensations or anything like that? The um, The phenomenological research does demonstrate that they experience the person as an independent volitional being. I don't know mm -hmm. if it is in three-dimensional space. I think sometimes they see things in their mind's eye. Sometimes they actually see it um, in mm -hmm. physical reality. Like some uh, mediums, they'll see like writing on the ground. It's, they know it's not there. No one else could see it but it's how the person right. provides it to them. So there's lots yeah. of different ways that they can experience things. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Let me ask you kind of slightly different sure. question. What are your thoughts on why, or not necessarily why, but just what are your thoughts on the fact that some religions view mediumship as evil? Like what are you kind of, yeah. Oh you, Lord, that, that is putting me on the spot. I, I think that's dangerous <laughs> for me to go on the record as saying anything yeah. but um okay. i do that if one you... of the papers that's on the list of papers to write is i'm working with like a religious studies scholar um she uh -huh. went to seminary like she she's read all the books in all the languages she knows all the things and according yeah. to her a lot of things just in general not about mediumship will that's what the paper will be but just in general a lot of things get mistranslated mm -hmm. and so it's there's like that's a problem um and you know generally um it's probably not in an organized it's not in an organization's best interest to allow you to believe that you could talk to your departed loved one by yourself and that you didn't mm -hmm. need them so just you know in general I'm not saying anything yeah. specific about any religions, but, um, and you know, there's, again, you, you got to think about the source. You got to think about who's telling you that and what benefit yeah. did they get? Are they the sugar mm -hmm. people telling you fat is bad, you know, so <laughs> yeah. that you buy sugar yeah. and not fat? I don't know. Um, but these are, yeah. like, you know, we, we've kind of lost a lot of our critical thinking skills as a society. And with mm -hmm. so much lie, so many lies, you're just being fed so many lies um, to the, to really question the source of things and um, who who benefits from you believing what you believe. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, we need to question everything a little bit more and, and remain open minded. Um, what do you think these studies and and the phenomenon of mediumship in general tell us about the nature of reality and about what happens after we die? Um, I think it demonstrates that surviving physical death is just something consciousness can do. It's mm -hmm. um, it's not, that's not weird. It's just something it doesn't mean there's a divine power that doesn't that's not required at all for um no. 
for consciousness to survive um, physical death. And like there, there's research that my colleagues have done where uh, my colleague Edith Steffen, um, sorry, I don't want to bump the thing. Uh, Edith Steffen did research where she surveyed people and they responded, no, I don't believe in an afterlife, but yes, I, I felt connected. I felt communication from my departed loved one. So it's mm -hmm. all semantics. Language is always metaphor. It's never representative of reality. It's always metaphor. And so there's all these issues around people's beliefs and ideas and, you know, the afterlife that that has religious connotation. And so then that's why in science we use the term survival of consciousness, because that doesn't have any mm -hmm. um, religious hang ups, baggage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that all of this data, like you said, the near death experience research, the mediumship research, it demonstrates that surviving bodily death is just something consciousness can do. It's just it's just a factor of um, mm. and and we're we're dummies because throughout history and in cultures all over the world, they just live their lives as if, as if that's true that you're yeah. of course you're still connected to your departed loved ones of course they still participate in your lives like for us to go nah what yeah that doesn't even make any yeah. sense why do you think it's not possible i think the question i shouldn't have to defend that how like what is it real they should have to defend it why would you say it's not real yeah yeah, yeah. Why is that our default position that that nothing happens? That that. Yeah. And again, it's only our um, current modern Western default of course, position. Of course, everywhere yeah, else yeah, throughout yeah. time has been the opposite. Throughout time and, and geography, yeah, yeah. Everything is literally. You're so right. It's literally just this tiny pocket of like, in terms of the whole history of the Earth as well, the history of humanity is like zero point zero 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 one percent, whatever. Keep going with the zeros. That's it. That's the that's that's the group that believes that it all ends after death. Yeah. And you, we were just talking about religion as well, and and you mentioned NDEs, and I wish that yeah maybe more people could kind of more people that are religious could maybe kind of step back a little bit and and look at the bigger picture you know because everybody has NDEs regardless of religion and and often it's in their own frame of reference right like they see their own deity same thing with miracles miracles like kind of happen like these things happen across various religions whereas every religion kind of has to, and again I'm not going to name names but every religion most religions that say seem to be kind of like ah uh, yeah this happens in our religion this is like our thing like your one is like the same and you have your god instead of my god but that's just doesn't happen that's not true it's just mine whereas like come on guys like look it's happening across all of these things right, and right. they're all very similar and and like maybe there's a common root to all of these religions and maybe it's actually just based on reality and it's just been chinese whispers and everything's kind of you know like changed and be misinterpreted as you said earlier and yeah anyway it's uh yeah it's frustrating and and fascinating yeah do you have any thoughts on because again in terms of the body of evidence i know we're on the same page like survival seems like the seems like is what happens do you have any thoughts uh, again speculations i'm not looking for your scientific answer here but just any thoughts and, and ideas on what you think the afterlife might look like feel like be like you know just how it actually would be do you have any kind of thoughts on um, that? On, so on, what might on the winbridge research center page on the education tab mm -hmm. there's that um afterlife symposium and so Mark did mm -hmm. that belief study and then he did a different study where he gave blinded remote viewers um, 
target IDs. They just have numbers and letters. It doesn't mean, you know, they, there's nothing. It could be anything. It could be a military base. Um, my joke yeah. is it could be my spleen. Who knows? So he, he, we gave them some target IDs that were physical. Like it was Mark at his desk was the, was the target. And then the, okay. another target was a specific departed loved one that we have worked with for many years. She seems to be on our, okay. she seems to be um, chair of the committee on the other side. If that that's was a cool. thing, that's really that's, cool. That's yeah, her, yeah. her role. And then just like the afterlife in general. And the responses that the blinded remote viewers gave um, the, when we, the one we did with it was the specific person. It was a, a remote viewer with decades of experience. And she said, this has never happened to me before. She can see me. And so it was, really? yeah, decades of experience. This remote viewer had never what? experienced the target being able to see her. And so that's my interpretation is she was, they were together. And so wow, in this, yeah. in this non-local space, right. In this consciousness only space with no physical reality, they were together and um yeah. and then the the other target id was like just the afterlife in general and some of the words that they use it was like so amazing i took the words and i put them in a image generator an ai image generator mm -hmm. and then that so the cover of my book love in the afterlife was generated by ai based on the answers to that cool. of how the how the remote viewers described the afterlife but wow. I, um, we know some basic things about like so it's accepting and compassionate and um why i wrote my book was because we had this um research finding um that phenomenological uh research study we did i i gave the mediums some of the names got were deceased people some of the names they got were living people we did the protocol like we mm -hmm. always do we of course did not ask what was the cause of death because some people were alive some people were dead and then they did the readings they answered the questions and then they filled out this standardized uh instrument called the phenomenology of consciousness inventory and it quantifies mm -hmm. 26 different dimensions of consciousness um things like i i felt that my body my body could not contain me. I was more expansive. I had time seemed weird. Memory was weird. Um, I, I felt altered. It was an altered state. And one of the 26 things that it, that it measures is love. And that study, that was the thing that was different. So when mediums were reading for targets that were deceased, they, they phenomenologically experienced more love than when they were reading mm. psychically for a living target. And yeah. like statistically, that's a statistical finding. And I was like, um, I'm a hard scientist and that seems pretty woo-woo. Oh, love, peace, light. And so I didn't want to like chase it. And I'm like, I'm a good scientist though. I'm going to do my due diligence. So I looked into it and in near-death experience research, the word love is talked about more yeah. than the tunnel or the light or anything else yeah. like it is the foundation of the afterlife and i kept looking okay what about um near or end of life experiences yep it's all there too so like that's yeah. why i wrote that book because it was 
that's the foundation of the afterlife is love. And so in my book, Love in the Afterlife, I recommend things that you can do to like be more sort of acclimated or um, I can't think of the word, but aligned. That's the word aligned mm-hmm. with the afterlife. And that maybe because we live in a terrible place right now. This place is terrible. And so if yeah. you could do things that aligned you more with where they are, could that make it easier for them to get to you? Because I feel like we're like mm-hmm. Gollum. We're just like angry and mad. Like, of course they can't get to us. Of course. They- and obsessed about precious yes. things. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my whole premise of that book is that, oh, the foundation, the cornerstone, the North Star is love. And Mm-hmm. it's weird and it's hippie and it's woo woo but that's where the data point that's what the data says um and so if yeah. we want to connect with our departed loved ones we need to incorporate more love so that's what that book is about yeah awesome i i had the same kind of thing when i kept like hearing love i'm like really like this is all, this is all so wishy-washy but yeah it just keeps coming yeah. up like everybody that has these experiences comes back and says, i just felt this insane love yeah. like nothing i've ever felt on earth i was totally wrapped up in it everything like that yeah, yeah. um so this question is from somebody called Haley, who is a, a listener or, or viewer of the podcast, and she's big fan of you and your work, and she, she's read your book and everything like that. She speaks very highly of you. And anyway, I asked her if she'd like to come up with a question for you, and of course she did. So I'm going to read that okay. to you now. Um, so in your book, you described both quantitative and qualitative research methods for working to uncover the mysteries of the afterlife or whatever comes next. However, it seems that these research methods are often mutually exclusive. Data is data and interpretations are subjective. Is there a way to fairly and accurately combine quality and quantity in a mediumship study? For example, if using a weighted average or some other technique, if a medium got a hit on something hugely significant and unique to a sitter, but no other hits during a reading, they would score poor quantitatively, but well qualitatively. That's a really good, that's a really good question. Um, and we have published what's called mixed methods research, where we did qualitative and quantitative phenomenological research. We've never done mm-hmm. qualitative accuracy research um, mm-hmm. because that's not that won't fly. That's not going to prove anything to anyone. Oh, the people said they liked it. No, give us the numbers. Right. We needed to have a scoring system. But it, that is really interesting. And other people who have done accuracy testing have like weighted things like well this was mm-hmm. really profound the the way we incorporate it is that right we look at the item by item scores the whole reading score and the choice so that does mm-hmm. the quality of the reading does get assessed with the whole reading score and the choice which which reading do you mm-hmm. think was yours so that though that's quantitative data it does speak to the quality of the reading, um, asking for those more general things. But it's a really good point. And then like, if we back out even further, like we're trying to use materialist reductionist scientific methods to study something that is not material and is not reductionist. It's the holistic yeah. system. So it's, al- it's always gonna fall short. Current science is always gonna fall short of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting um conundrum with how do you study something not materialism using materialist methods 
Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Because I, as well, like I'm thinking, you know, in some readings, people will be told, like, oh, yeah, my will or whatever, this this possession that you're unaware of that even exists is in the attic, in a box, it's attached to the wall, and you'd have to, if you break this thing, you're going to find that, and obviously that, how do you kind of, yeah, how do you quantify that? Like that's uh, that would be incredible, yeah. but then you'd also have to prove that the, the sitter didn't know and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, and which is if you ever, if another... they ever went there and found it, now they do know, and you can look into the future. So it's really hard yeah. to go for these things. That's why we asked those specific four questions about the person's life because then it's the same across readings it's the same throughout the whole study and we say is there anything else so if the departed loved one really needed someone to know that they they have that opportunity in the reading but our readings are very um regimented and we ask for very specific things and it's not like do a reading it's like this person is named this and these are the questions that we need the answers to and so it's not very um natural like a like a reading is and usually a natural Mm. reading covers some of those things if not all of them those things that we asked for that's what we asked for them because we asked a bunch of questions Mm. initially when i was at the university and those were the ones that got answered correctly most often so we thought okay well those that's those are the ones that we're going to use and but there's lots of things what's your what was your favorite food what was your favorite place there's lots of things and the uh, a natural mediumship sort of in the wild um the the types of information that get conveyed i i I call them it's me it's me so it's things that are identifying of the person so that you as the sitter can be sure yep they're connected with the right person Mm -hmm. and then i'm here i'm here so things about your life since the person died so the they will often talk about that like i like the color you painted the kitchen i i like the memory book you put together those kind of things and then i love you i love you now when they say i love you it means something because if they if the medium started with this like oh there's a dead person here and they love you like yeah anyone can say that (laughs) but by establishing the the identity and that they're still around in your life since they died like now the yeah. I love you is meaningful. So that's usually how yeah. a reading goes. It include, incorporates those three things. Yeah. Or when, when they say something like uh, out of the blue, like that the media was, oh, are you thinking of having a kid? Because they say you're thinking of having a kid and you should do it. And <laughs> that kind of thing. And the, the medium had no idea. Um, I had loads of other questions I wanted to ask you about animal, like death related yeah. phenomena and animals. And also about your book as well, which we're going to cover more of this stuff next time. Just one little question about animals. And this is from one of my patrons from Robert. He said, uh, I was wondering, is there any chance I could meet our dog from my childhood in the afterlife? Or could it be only recently departed animals that might show up? No, um, there's no, we don't know the rules, right? But there don't yeah. seem to be any rules, this is what we know. So um, the, like we talked about, oh, the cornerstone of the afterlife is love. But the other piece is why I wrote this book, a, 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 a pet um, interest of mine and Mark's is animals. In, Me too, as in well. In the afterlife yeah. and I didn't, I, to be totally honest, I didn't know, I lost my mother to suicide when I was in grad school, but I did not know grief until I lost my dog. Mm. And mm. so that it's really, that's a love that's different than any other love. And, um, but there's lots. So I wrote in the book, cause there's lots of evidence from all these different things, near death experiences, um, end of life experiences that those consciousnesses, they're just consciousnesses, um, 
they survive as well and that we can stay mm. connected to them. So there, I don't, I think it's safe to say there aren't hard and fast rules. And if you want to connect Robert with your dog from childhood, then you can. And in the book I talk about, it's, a, it's different. Um, like, just like our relationships in the physical are different, right? Your dog doesn't know your favorite color. You can't have like an in-depth discussion. They don't have any favorite movies, but just being with them, right? Just being in the same room. And so you yeah. can learn to feel that. Like, you know, people talk about, oh, aren't there, isn't there technology? No, because people have been experiencing their departed loved ones since the beginning of time, far before there was technology. That's not going to solve it. What we know works is what we call the human instrument. And so we have mm -hmm. in our bodies the, a way to feel um, that our departed are still with us. And, you know, dreams, we have that apparatus. Every night we can have, um, we have an altered state of consciousness and we can get messages mm -hmm. and we can visit with people. And um, and so if you start just recording your dreams, that teaches your brain like, oh, we need to, we need to have good things to say in the dream. This isn't just a, yeah. we're not just playing in the night. The subconscious yeah. comes to realize this is where, um uh wisdom can come and connection can come so if you start keeping yeah. a dream diary then then it teaches your brain to get used to those kind of things but just i would recommend because animals is different right you don't have they um the reason we knew that animals were in the afterlife for ourselves was that they were showing up in our very regimented reading is there anything else mm. that the departed want to share they would say the little white dog he's with he has the yeah. little white dog and that those things were scored correct so that was important we we're like oh and then we talked to the mediums like yeah animals come through all the time and then we looked into it yeah. and we did a study where we did the same quintuple brine protocol and that the results were um just the same as they were for people we had to stop that study um because those people are grieving differently than when people die and it was it was it was cruel to make them say mm -hmm. oh we'll give you a mediumship ring but you're not gonna it'll, you all you get is a piece of paper like so like we can't do this anyway it's it was so what research so what of course of course we know the animals are there of course it's just hurting people to do this study so we stopped there yeah. but um yeah. there's a there's plenty of evidence and i and i talk about as much of it as I can in that, um, in the book, love in the afterlife. And there's a, I, we have yeah. a free fact sheet on the, or sorry. So yeah, even I mess it up on the center page. Um, there's a, there's animals in the afterlife. Um, fact cool. sheet. Center fact sheet. Okay. Awesome. I'll try and link that as well. And like I say, next time I will have uh, a lot, I've got plenty of other questions about animals related to animals as well. And, and I, we can kind of dip into those next time. Got a couple other questions from Robert about the same stuff for next time. I don't really um, just know, one question. just so you know, and Robert knows, I don't really know yeah. everything I know I put in that book, in that chapter in, in Love in the Afterlife. So it hasn't yeah. been studied specifically. What we studied was can mediums get accurate and specific yeah. information and yes was the answer um yeah. but that's all we asked very specific questions and so that's all i really know i'd love to be more help but 
No, 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 no worries. No worries. I actually just uh, recently did a, a, an interview with James Matlock, Jim Matlock, um, a, a, on research they're doing at the moment into into these phenomena, these areas with animals, which was fascinating. It's like a full like hour and a half all about the animals oh, and cool. stuff. Have you read this recent paper about end of life experiences uh, in animals or related to animals? I mean, it, also, I don't even know if you know if you if you came across it, because, again, as we know, like these these things like some it, sometimes word doesn't spread as it should and things like that. And it is quite recent. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll send it to you just in case you, 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 yeah, you get a chance to have a little look. It's obviously not super in-depth and it's mostly short accounts and stuff, but there's quite a number of accounts they've managed to accumulate. I think it was like Rupert Sheldrake, Michael Nam, and then now they're, they're doing... So that was the end-of-life experiences. Now they're doing some more papers on like after-death communications with oh, animals. And I that's did see James that. Matlock and um But yeah, the papers are fascinating. So far, there's only one that's out. It's the end-of-life experiences. The after-death communications will be out soonish. Anyway, I'll send something to you. I've, um, I have yeah, seen that. If yeah, interested, send, check send out my... Me. Yeah. And if anybody's interested, you watch my interview with, with Jim Matlock. Um, okay. So just uh, one or two last quick questions. Um, just because we were talking about the afterlife and consciousness and humans and animals. I, I was just wondering, again, I'm not looking for a definitive answer, of course, as with a lot of this stuff, just your kind of gut feeling. Do you think in the afterlife, us like humans and, and animals, non-human animals, are we the, the same at the level of consciousness or is there still a difference? Is it still like an animal consciousness versus a human consciousness like do you see where yeah, i'm going I see, with that i see i understand the question um i don't know i think we still right all we can know on this side is what it seems like when they interact with us and they're mm. going to show themselves to us where so we can recognize them so it will look yeah, like a person it will familiar, look like a yeah. dog um if yeah. you're having visual experiences so it's hard mm. to tease out because we can never study well how do you really exist where you are not that where is real um because all we can see is what we can see so that's mm -hmm. a that's a i think that would be difficult to get to and yeah it, it would yeah because it yeah. would it would it's be still it's still interesting but yeah our own bullshit yeah yeah one way maybe of finding something there is like i know in some cases with like apparitions and stuff there's the, the discarnate can present itself as like an orb of light right like just a kind of ball of light floating in the air and i wonder whether there has ever been any cases with with animals that have kind of appeared in the same way because that could obviously i wouldn't give a definitive answer but it would at least be kind of interesting maybe suggestive um Okay, one one more question that I was really that kind of has been yeah, I can't get it out of my head. And somebody else mentioned it recently, thinking along the same lines. It, it might have been Robert actually. Um, so I know this isn't how t how mediumship typically works, but I but I'm still wondering: has anyone, as far as you're aware, has anyone or could someone via a medium try to contact a deceased person, a discarnate, who, according to compelling evidence, and I'm thinking of children with past life memories here, and I'm thinking of particular cases. So, for example is is currently reincarnated so for example has a medium ever tried to contact say marty martin who is seemingly reincarnated into to, to ryan hammond's body or james houston jr who's seemingly re and, and again i'm not yeah, it's not it's that it would be definitive a, either way that's a, because that's a common question well can they yeah can this happen at the same time and if you ask like jim tucker how can medium should be real in reincarnation he'll say you should ask julie and I'll say you should ask Jim, <laughs> and it, 
it's yeah. one of those things like who knows i think they can coexist yeah. right yeah i think you see, we're in the realm of speculation but it's like they, they could easily be an element of our consciousness yeah. that is in some other realm like i could have a bit of that then yeah. now and and meanwhile you can be reincarnated here and so it could yeah. be hypothetically possible to communicate with both yeah. at once it could also be the case that when somebody's reincarnated they cannot yeah. be contacted i don't it yeah. could be i'm and just intrigued again, to, like who yeah. cares so what what does that really but imagine but imagine anything? if somebody because we're about imagine if a medium did we're though, about and they they yeah go on um applied research like how is this affecting uh-huh. people's lives that's what we need right now um mm-hmm. And yeah. so there's lots of things you can speculate about. Oh, it'd be interesting if yeah, this. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be interesting, but it's it the resources and the t- the the time required to do these studies is so limited. Like, no, no one's yeah. going to do that because there are better things to study. But it's it's very interesting to conjecture about and to think about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And if I knew somebody like on a personal level, that was, I'd be like, oh, can you just try and you know contact well, Martin Martin? Well, the thing with see, see what happens. Is, it's not it they can't yeah, call like up that. the person. There has to be no. A I know that's why. I, so that's why I prefaced with, I know it isn't yeah. typically how it works. Just, just because like it's still, I still wonder yeah. about it. You know, and, and that's why I like, just you imagine can't like just a, ask a medium like, can you talk to a milkmaid from the 1800? No, because the, none of her family is here. Why would she come and talk to us? Like they're the only departed loved ones that are going to step down from the wonderful place they are to come and communicate with us is to convey messages Mm. to the people that they love. So unless people that they love are involved, they're not coming and they shouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't come here. Yeah, I mean, it depends how much effort it is, but I, I have no clue how yeah, much effort it is no for them. Does. But from from some accounts, it seems like it is some effort from from you know in in some cases, like with the physical mediumship and stuff. Um, it's what it seems like. What are your thoughts on that, by the way? Just in like a ten second answer, you, have you ever sat with a physical no. medium? Um, we did some. Mark designed a study where he like had a I don't know what the technical term is, but this study is published on the Wimbridge Institute page. Um, where he looked at a way that you could non-invasively study physical mediumship. And so he had a, mm-hmm. um, oh, it, it measures, he would know. So it's a, it's a, it measures 3D movement. And so we attached okay. it to the bottom of the table and then they did a seance. And so he was like, that's a good way you can study who's moving the table. If like, if the table is moving, is the force coming from a specific direction um Mm -hmm. and you can use right because physical mediums often like to work in the dark so he used um infrared cameras so no um no it wasn't even infrared it was uh it just used ambient light it it magnified ambient light so there was no even infrared light source it Mm -hmm. i think the brand is fleur it was a fleur camera um a flare like a forward-looking infrared. yeah 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 that, that, that there you go yeah. um and so he he cool. wrote a paper um about that here's how we could study physical mediumship without interrupting their um process that they like to use so we didn't he didn't study yeah. he didn't like he wasn't trying to prove anything he just he was trying to prove are these methods uh practical and and useful and they were that's the conclusion yeah 
Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Look, Julie, you've been so generous with your time and everything today. I would love to keep firing questions at you and I could do this for ages, but I really feel like I should probably let you get going. Okay. Um, we'll have to do another yeah. one soon. Before I do let you go, is there any, do you have, first of all, do you have, I was going to ask you just for one thing. I guess I'm going to ask you for two. So on the, part A of this is going to be, do you have any other than your own book, which will be in the description and things like that? And, and do you have any book recommendations in these areas that you think people should read? And part B would just be, do you have a message and some last words for people that have watched and listened? Um, you, know, you don't have to have a book recommendation, by the yeah, way. <laughs> no the, pressure if you're on interested that. in modern mediumship research, uh, that uh, I wrote an ebook many years ago like 2012 or something called among mediums so you can look at that and mm -hmm. then i um ask the mediums about how they experience communication and how they recommend that other people can do it and so that book's called from the mouths of mediums and so we're currently okay. that's volume one and so we're currently working on two and three um so i'm putting together more things that from the mouths of mediums um and cool uh so if you're interested in, in that topic i would i would suggest that and then um if you're if you are suffering from grief um the one of the only things that's been demonstrated to to alleviate grief is the acceptance of what's called continuing bonds so your bond yeah. with your person is real your relationship continues though the life the physical life is over your relationship continues and so i um Oh, look, I have it right here. I put together this. Um, what a coincidence. This deck of cards. It's called yeah. Guidance for Grief. And it's 52 cards. And so it uses the power of synchronicity or randomness. And you, um, you like on my website at juliebphd.com, we have, if you go to juliebphd.com slash card picker, it has a randomizer. Mm -hmm. And so it picks a number oh, one cool. through 52. It just gives you the number. It doesn't give you the content of any cards. And so you, yeah. so you shuffle them, but I'm not, they're kind of big. So I'm not good with the shuffling physically. So I use the randomizer and it picks a number. And you, so then you get the card and like, that's the message that your departed loved one wanted you to hear today. And so some of them are signs. I'm going to look for this from them. Some of yeah. them are, quotes from the mediums on my team and um ben do you have any loved ones do you want to pick a card right now yeah how okay do do go to juliebphd.com okay 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 right i'm going i'm going mm -hmm. hang on okay here we go jump to card picker yeah and then you have to scroll okay. down and pick a card yeah here we, here we go pick pick card okay working one. one one okay um ideally we would have stopped and asked invited your person to come and but we're gonna assume here we will ask them and then retrospectively time is not linear we are, we're gonna ask them exactly go back and help us pick a card okay and they pick card one so we look it up in our little booklet that comes with the thing um okay card number one says i understand that grief is different for everyone and the way i'm doing it is the right way for me so there's a category of cards called affirmations so there's affirmations there's signs there's quotes from the mediums and then there's messages from you to your departed loved ones mm -hmm. because 
it's a two-way relationship you're still part of it they're still part of it so it's things like you saying i'm trying my best to whatever okay so your card is an affirmation i understand grief is different for everyone and the way i'm doing it is the right way for me so then there's a reflection um personal inquiry things you might want to ask yourself uh and then more options so like write a letter to yourself that expresses patience and gentleness for your grieving process in your letter include some of the unique aspects of your relationship with your loved one that make it and your grief after their loss different from other relationships and or losses so there's wow. things to do um there's things to ask yeah. yourself and sort of so you can think of those as like journal prompts and then just a reflection on each card as a keyword so that keyword is unique for that card um so all 52 cool. cards have those entries in the book and so the what i recommend is that you pick one a day no more than one a day because that can fatigue you and your loved one and then um you you need to take the time sort of like the time between therapy appointments you need to have a life Mm -hmm. that's your own where you can learn to incorporate what you learned from the card and um feel the people and like whatever the universe is going to show you. Um, yeah. So, awesome. so does that, was that, well, me- I'll put the was link that meaningful that. to you today? It's hard to okay. say, honestly, because, because I don't know if I like did, did, I mean, dealt with the grief that well, you know, I, there's a lot more I could do okay. <laughs> to like be better at dealing with that stuff. Um, but I'm going to think okay, on it. Yeah. I'm going to so certainly think the... on it. And I guess there's a lot of things like that. I guess a lot of the time you kind of go away and you think yeah. on it and, and connections can come. Yeah. And, which is and why you should only works do... as a catalyst. Which is why you should only pick one card a day. So you mm. have some time to think about it. To give it, it time. Um, but yeah. that's the system that the, you know, the universe picked that card for you today. So what, what yeah. can you do with that information? The first card. Yeah. The first card. Yeah. So that's the, um, that's the guidance for grief deck and that's available at, uh, Amazon. Cool. And I, can, can it be found via the link on your website as well? The, the Judy B PhD. Yeah, it's right. There's a, there's a books and cards. I'll put that link in the description and people can then go through there and, and find it. And if you have any, like, maybe you can send me a picture or something of that and I can put them on the screen just so people, you did show it, but maybe it'd be easier if you could, yeah, if you have a close up, then we can, we can show that so people can have a bit more of an idea. Just one last question, Julie, um, because it kind of what you were saying made me think of it. And it's something that I picked up from Laura Lynn Jackson's book that i read not too long ago signs and um i what if you what if we're not picking up the signs what if you know i know i know laura says like they, it doesn't mean they're not sending them be patient do you have any advice for people that maybe are just um looking for signs and hoping for signs but not actually like seeing them? i think uh an important uh issue is that you recognize your assumptions so like what you know, like I got interviewed on another podcast and the woman said, she told her dad, like, if this is real, I want a real life purple and pink turtle to walk across my bedroom floor. I go, so you asked for something impossible. And she's like, yeah. And then I didn't get it. And then I was very disappointed. Like you have to recognize that they can't change the orbit of the moon. They can't make you win the lottery. Like they're very subtle. Like one of the cards is a quote from uh, one of our mediums named Dari Justin and her quote is you're looking for fireworks and you should be looking for fireflies 
So I mm. think it's a, it's about what you can, you can't change what your person does. You can be open. You can ask, you can invite. I'd really like to get a sign from you, but you can't mm. make them give you a sign. But what you can change is your acceptance, your um, recognition that it's real and it's possible and magic is real. And even though no mm -hmm. one's telling you about this, yeah, it's still real. And the most common spontaneous after-death communication experience is what's called sense of presence, is just feeling like they're with you. So just mm -hmm. put your phone down, sit in nature, be quiet long enough that the birds come back, and just try and spend some time with your person. It, it's they're not gonna again these they're not fireworks they're fireflies and by accepting yeah. that and and um and recognizing that these subtle things oh you know the best one is oh this just popped into my head i had a really good one i'm going to tell you this is kind of embarrassing but i was i go to sleep and i i fall asleep naturally and i go okay come whatever messages i need from whatever i call it special forces like whatever angel, I don't have words. I don't need names. I don't have to meet you. Yeah. I don't need to know who you are. It just generally, what messages do I need from the universe to, um, for my life and to best, best serve people. And, uh, so I lay down, I go, and then my, cause I'm type A and I'm a working breed. I was like, nah, 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 thinking of a hundred things I go, okay, calm down. Just try and think of nothing. And I go, okay. And what popped in my head was like, it was like a band playing music. And I was like, okay, sure. I can sort of concentrate on that. What kind of music is this? And it, I was, I sort of experienced being at a concert. I go, it kind of sounds like that band from the nineties Creed. So then I got up and I go, okay. And I looked up Creed and there was a song that came out in 1999, which is the year my mom died. And it's a song called Arms Wide Open. I go, okay, I'll, I remember that song. I'll listen to it again. And it's a song about him learning that he's going to have a baby. And it's about this like parental yeah. love. And and I hope you're not like me. I hope you can accept the the magic of the universe. And I was like, okay, special forces, I hear you. So there's things like that. <laughs> like you have to be aware of what pops into your head. You know, does your, what parts of your body feel tingly? Um, and yeah, we have to use the human instrument, um, to, to get these messages and, um, it's very simple and they're very subtle, <clears throat> excuse me. And so that what you can do to, to receive signs is to be open that it's possible and that they're, mm. they're not going to be what you expect, but you're going to be grateful when they happen. That's part of the using the, so we should stop. Um, and and do this step the the last step in the using the guidance for grief cards is expressing gratitude for the process and that it that whoever worked the system thank you for your service and thank you for coming through and um and we and we appreciate your effort yeah yeah definitely wow 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm not going to ask you any more questions okay. now. I promise. I, but let's get back to what I was asking you, and it was just if there was any last words, just to close us out, just any message you want to leave with anyone. Um, I would. Uh, I think it would be great if you joined my email list at juliebphd.com, um, and then I can mm-hmm. tell you about any like new things or new um, services or new papers. Um, that's the place to go. Yeah. Or if you're, again, if you go to winbridge.org, that's a Winbridge Research Center. There's all the free um, educational materials are there on that page. Mm-hmm. I look Perfect. forward to staying Perfect. in touch well, with you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, and, and I look forward to doing this again. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time. You've been so generous with that. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, wishing you all my best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Julie Baishel for talking with me. Thank you to our patrons for supporting us and thank you for listening. Please see the description for relevant links and more info. If you want to continue unraveling the universe with us, please subscribe. And if you want to help us keep making content, you can do so via Patreon. Thank you.